This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. And then SA invests to advance Omnipath. HPE takes swarm learning to the edge. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader and Oliver Peckham. And Tiffany, we'll start with you because this week in HPC, there was a nifty investment by NNSA to uh, give some money to Cornelis Networks to help their targets for their next generation of Omnipath. So Cornelis Networks, which took over ownership of the Omnipath networking portfolio in 2020, they entered into an R&D contract with the Department of Energy's National Nuclear Security Administration, NNSA, um, and the TriLab Complex, which consists of Livermore, Los Alamos, and Sandia. And this uh, contract is valued at $18 million, um, in funding, and they're they're referring to it as the the Next Generation High Performance Computing Network, or the NGHPCN, we love our acronyms, um, that this is an investment vehicle that um, is meant to accomplish two things. Uh, one, of course, meeting the needs of NNSA's scientific and engineering workloads through a robust HPC um, inter- interconnect on their supercomputers, and then um, more broadly meeting the needs of the high performance uh, computing space by investing in a, in a best-of-breed networking approach. Yeah, I'll tell you what I really like about this story, and it comes out in the article that you posted on HPC Wire with interviews with Matt Leninger, who was the senior uh, principal HPC strategist at Lawrence Livermore National Labs. When, when he talked about it in his quotes in terms of competition at the high end of networking for these system interconnects for HPC systems, of course, Ethernet is still... Um, uh, quite common in HPC environments, but at the higher speeds, it really goes either to InfiniBand, which has been common uh, for decades now inter- as, as a uh, high-performance system interconnect, or you get into some of the proprietary ones, uh, most notably now Slingshot with HPE, which um, has been deployed, for example, at the in the uh, Perlmutter system where we're waiting for some of the exascale systems with bated breath. Uh, there are some others, BXI from Atos, uh, Tofu, of course, from Fujitsu, which is part of uh, the... Um, the Fugaku supercomputer. But the interesting dynamic that's happened there is Omnipath used to be associated with Intel and it wasn't really seen as being open. It was an Intel initiative. Whereas InfiniBand, uh, when it was owned by Mellanox, it, it kind of played very evenly with all vendors. Now we're into a scenario where uh, InfiniBand is owned by NVIDIA, since NVIDIA's acquisition of Mellanox, and with the spinoff of Cornelis Networks from Intel, it's now Omnipath that's really uh, not associated with any particular technology vendor or processor vendor in this case. So it's it's interesting to see NNSA uh, recognizing that and wanting to invest in Cornelis in order to foster competition. Yeah, exactly. We have seen some interesting shifts in the space over the last few years, and and those those the reasons that you cited are why investing in an independent networking option is so important to the DOE complex, uh, and the inter the interconnect itself, of course, is is so critical um, 
to to supercomputing, and it's essentially the the, the device that that turns a regular uh, computer into a an HPC cluster or a or a um, supercomputer. So um, you know that, along with uh, driving the importance of a competitive marketplace for 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 high performance network te te networking technology, are the the you know the reasons for this uh, this investment. And as far as what they'll be supporting here, they're going to be um, supporting several things. Uh, currently, um, Omnipath is still in the 100 gigabits per second zone, and they're doing some uh, software side uh, advances that um, call, they're calling it Omnipath Express, and that involves, uh, like I said, some some software advances with uh, something called Open Fabrics inter interfaces that have been developed under the Open Fabrics Alliance, and that, that's one of the things um, this project will be supporting are those uh, enabling op open source host software um, for the Omnipath portfolio. Um, and then also uh, important, um, they will be accelerating the OPA 400 gigabits per second technology. So you can kind of think of the OPA, OPX as a, as a software kicker uh, on the OPA kicker on the roadmap between the, the 100 product, which is, is is getting um a bit dated now you know it was launched in 2016 by intel you know before they transferred these assets over to cornelis uh and then next year they're looking to to launch the opa 400 gigabits per second technology so this this co-design partnership with livermore will help to accelerate that and livermore will be providing the network simulation capabilities to help test that out and especially testing out the endpoint scalability. So can you get to 10,000 endpoints? Can you get to 50,000 endpoints? You know, th those kind of things are really critical in these this uh, emerging exascale era and, uh, and beyond. Yeah, and I appreciate your emphasis on these uh, investments in the next generations of speeds for interconnects, because if you're going to compete with InfiniBand, that's something that Mellanox and now continuing under NVIDIA has done very well in terms of the pursuit of next generation speeds and staying a jump ahead of Ethernet. And, uh, you know, overall, Ethernet is a little more common than InfiniBand across high performance computing, but that stops being true when you focus on the higher speed deployments and particularly in the public sector. InfiniBand is just a lot more common there. And we've been measuring in our recent surveys, looking at where is Omnipath and how much uh, installed base is there for Cornelis to build upon. And it's out there. About 20% of users in HPC say that they have um, some presence or some experience with Omnipath. Now, it's not always in broad usage, but there's something there to be built on. But if they're going to go head to head with InfiniBand, it's going to come at uh, in some of these higher speed competitions. Yeah, and speaking of you know the, uh, Omnipath deployments, Livermore um, and the uh, the Trilabs are are no stranger to Omnipath. They have some fifteen thousand to twenty thousand nodes using either the Intel or Cornelis, um, which essentially the same thing, uh, networking technology. Um, some of those making up larger systems like Magma, um, which came online in twenty nineteen, and Ruby, which debuted in twenty twenty. Interestingly, Magma was a uh, Intel. Um, the Intel version, kind of before the the transfer, and Ruby was after. Um, you know, there there is that question, like you said, with in regards to the other um, options, you know, that are out there with 
with uh, Mellanox and Slingshot, you know, the, the question here is, will will this be competitive uh, against them? You know, we'll have to wait and see, but certainly the funding, um, you know, will will help them with uh, is is um, you know, the, ideally will for them will, would help them with that goal. Uh, and I think one other interesting point on this is that the um, the R and D contract is being positioned uh, kind of. Um, like somewhat informally, as a post as part of a post exascale computing, um, post exascale computing initiative, a funding portfolio that's intended to continue the momentum of previous previous large funding programs. So, like the exascale computing project, which is actually under the exascale computing initiative umbrella, and those programs um, gave forth to some we call the the forward programs um, path forward and it, um, there was a couple other ones and so they 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 see this they there's they said that they see this kind of in that same vein that this um the, of in, investing in those technologies that will have broader that will support us uh competitiveness but then also more broadly you know benefit the broadly uh, market more broadly and, and and the path forward program was um one of one that funded uh six tech vendors intel among them um for the to invest in the r d required for exascale computing so they see that this is like a, a continue continuing in that vein and i think they kind of hinted that maybe we'll see you know we'll see something um somewhat similar to that program come out but no no details were available on that that at this time yeah, that was an interesting angle in this story, looking at wh what you described there as the post-exascale error, what NSA, NNSA described as the post-exascale error. I think that really focuses on how do we foster this kind of competition um, in in light of something like Slingshot being tied to a particular server vendor or uh, uh, InfiniBand being tied to a particular processing vendor. Uh, OmniPath from Cornelis Networks right now is neither. I think that's a really important industry dynamic right now, and uh, we'll see how that continues to evolve. Meanwhile, also this week in HPC, moving from the, the world of the hardcore supercomputing traditional HPC out to the Wild West frontier of machine learning, there are some interesting announcements from HPE, who's a leader in both. They've got a new machine learning development system, as well as what they're calling swarm learning. And Oliver, you talked about that in an article on HPC Wire. Let's start with that MLDS, machine learning development system from HPE. Yeah, so the MLDS is effectively the integration of the product suite of Determined AI, which HPE acquired about a year ago, and HPE's existing AI and HPC systems. Uh, effectively, what they're doing is trying to create an end-to-end -end machine learning development system, as the name implies, based on their Apollo A6500s, which are equipped with eight of these 80-gigabyte variants of the NVIDIA A100 GPUs, along with a full software and services stack, uh, machine learning training platform. And they're really touting this as something that you can just roll right off the truck and plug in, uh, highlighting a use case with uh, Aleph Alpha, a natural language processing startup that was managed to set it up in a couple of days. 
Yeah, this is really an important area for investment. We've been doing a lot of research around machine learning and its overlap with HPC, of course, and we've got a, 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 a quantitative survey pending to do a real deep dive on this space. But the research we've done so far really indicates that it is kind of these early days, wild west frontier of machine learning development. It's it's easy to get lured in by some of the, the really wonderful examples of successes at the high end, but most organizations deploying machine learning are just figuring it out. They're getting open source frameworks. They're maybe putting a Python wrapper around it. And having a development framework, I think, is uh, is really important in terms of introducing and advancing these concepts quickly where they're, where they're being developed by organizations. And then that ties into, um, I think, what's that more headline friendly and kind of interesting concept of swarm learning. A big part of AI is that a lot of the data that you'd like to bring into these models exists in various types of edge devices. They're not necessarily centralized. And HPE is now pushing this concept of swarm learning in an attempt to bring that edge data into the fold without having to centralize all the data. Yeah, so effectively, HP's swarm learning solution is a set of uh, blockchain-backed APIs for training machine learning models at the edge, taking the learnings from those models and then kind of merging and weighting the learnings uh, centrally without sharing the data itself that's gathered at the edge. Uh, this is a way of not having to transfer large amounts of data, uh, You know, kind of leaning at the more uh, I.O. bottlenecked workloads versus computing bottlenecked workloads. But HPE is marketing it more specifically at working with restricted data that can be hard to move, uh, GDPR protected, protected data and so forth. Yeah, it's not I.O. limited as much as it's privacy limited, you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's an interesting use case, thinking about uh, this kind of, uh, let's say it's medical uh, records data, the idea that rather than have the data come to a centralized resource that I can't share and training it there, the essence of the the swarm learning model is that the, the data doesn't have to come to the model. My model can go visit the data. And the metaphor that really winds up being important for me there is to think of myself, my brain as a neural network. Well, it can go travel through the world. I can go to school. I can go to work. I can go to the internet. I can go to the library and I can learn things in all of those places and incorporate them into a model that I'm bringing with me. I think that's the essential uh, notion of this warm learning that the model can go visit the data at the edge and it becomes recursive in a sense that I'm always feeding more data into the model which improves and then it we can synthesize that there's a merge where the the new data comes into the model but the data itself doesn't have to move the model gets to move and it gets to get better for as long as you like to keep learning you know um Thomas Odenwald uh, he's the head of business development at HPE he was discussing the, the, the concept of the AI swarm learning on our, our recent HPC and AI Wall Street event. And he was um, he, he was touting some of these benefits that, that like you were saying, uh, Oliver, like preserving privacy, uh, the decentralized uh, collaborative machine learning, being able to do this on the edge. And, you know, he also showed that chart, you know, how the, the nodes um, register the swarm network, the training is done for a certain time window, and then the, the merging is done and then repeating until a certain desired 
accuracy is, is achieved. So one question that I had, I don't know if we, we know the answer to it at this point, but um, is like what, you know, given this is kind of a continuous potential to be a continuous training model where it's just um, achieving better, better, getting to better information, getting to better, better accuracy. It's like wondering what kind of additional compute demand this would require. So I think that's something that we'll be looking into. Right. And obviously in the wake of, or as we exit out of the, the core phase of, of COVID research, there have been a lot of applications for using health data. And a lot of the researchers in the HPC and AI sectors have highlighted pain points with sharing uh, data that they collect at the edge and overcoming all the regulations, especially internationally. So I can see a lot of applications for this, but Tiffany, I, I do, you know, the releases were a little bit light on specifics and I'll be interested to see what the computing overhead is like. Yeah, to me, this is almost more of a concept. I mean, it's it's available now, and I get how it's supposed to work, and I think it's a nifty idea. Seeing how it actually works in practice and how well these models get trained, I think it's something we're going to have to, you know, let it grow over time, like we're training models over time. I'm not expecting a lot of big overnight successes here, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't start learning with it now. Our listeners can get more on both of these stories on HBC Wire. Tiffany, Oliver, thanks for being with me today. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.